right. Uh, hey, so it's good to see you guys. And uh, yeah, I'm just virtually again. So glad to see you all. God is on the move. I think I want you to hear that. It's like, I don't know if you guys, you know, that this that beautiful piece in scripture where Jesus tells us, hey, you're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. There's going to be things going on that you're going to hear about that's overwhelming. I don't know if you guys follow anything in the news like inflation being at its highest rate, gas prices, and all the things we see in our news that are overwhelming. We look at the world and go, oh my gosh. And Jesus says, this is why I designed the church. I've designed the church to not to be the ones who are freaking out. I've designed the church to be the ones who shine like darkness. Doesn't it make sense that God is speaking his word to us, talking about the roles that we have? I would encourage you. We're going to be studying the book of Titus. This is kind of like if you're going to be in the new, if you're going to be in the loop, like we're going to be studying the book of Titus in our small group, our small groups this fall. So if you're going to start studying right now and reading through, it's a beautiful piece. And, and I love it because in chapter 3, he starts talking about the things that he's called. Listen, that we are to literally to be productive. He talks about the church, the people of God being productive in their life with how they're living, not living for self, but living for the kingdom, living for the purposes of God. And so, again, I, I just see this being a season of God saying, all right, I want my church to stand. I want my church to be the church. And so I'm excited about that. I'm excited. I believe Vintage is responding to that. It's actually really interesting, Jesse, this week, because I, we didn't, like, I came into this week, and we're going to do kind of two things this morning. We're going to take the first part. It's going to be some things that I felt like God just kind of showed me over the last couple of weeks, just about who I am as a leader, but specifically, more importantly, who we are as the church and as the people of God. Let me do this for you, Shannon. I know you want to see my face better. There you go, my gift to you, friend. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in that, um, I'm just going to share a couple of thoughts. Uh, in the last couple of weeks, I've gotten to spend some time outside of Dallas, Georgia, spending some time with those who are in full-time ministry, with people who are outside of our world. So two weeks ago, I was in Wyoming. I led eight other people in full-time ministry and pastors from our area out to Wyoming for a time of rest, a time of personal investment. It was a beautiful time, like people that you know. So Scott Crawford went with us. Tate Welling went with us. Right. Tom Tanner and his son Mason. David Scott went with us, who's part of Highlands Church here in our network. Peter Oswald from Memorized Life. Josh Turner went with us from River City, who's part of our network. And then Justin Boggs, some of you may know him, who's been part of our church network from the very, very beginning and discipled him in college, right? Just a, honestly, it was one of those, like, go to Wyoming, ride horses and fly fish and spend time praying for one another and just let Jesus do this work. It was a powerful time. But we were also there with other pastors from Colorado, from Florida, and from Michigan. And in this past week, I was in Clayton, Georgia, all week, speaking eight times at a youth camp, primarily middle schoolers and some high schoolers in the mix, right, about 100 kids from First Presbyterian Church of Orlando, Florida. It's a church I've had a partnership with and relationship with because some of our old students who are with us in campus ministry and went and got to speak to these kids, taught them, I talked, I went through what we did with pray, P-R-A-Y, remember we did that study on prayer, I had a kid get up 
whoo, mm, had a kid get up and say, Steve taught me how to pray and hear God's voice for the first time in my life. One little seventh, sixth grade girl went home and they said, I, I've been spending, my, my favorite part of our entire week is my quiet time. When I've been learning how to pray and I can't go, wait to go home and have a quiet time every day and spend time with Jesus. Right? It was super fun, super powerful, really, really cool to see God do those things. But in the midst of that time, it was so fascinating because I'm sitting with people who were outside of our world. Right? You know how when you're, when you're only with people who are in your world, you think everybody thinks like you? It's the danger of homo- homogeneity, of everyone kind of thinking the same, looking the same, dressing the same, acting the same, and having all the same thought processes, right? And not recognizing, man, the kingdom of God is much bigger than that, and people look different, sound different, act different, depending on where they are and what God's calling is in their life. And so that's what it was for us. I sat back and listened to them and said, oh, wow, we are unique, Right? And unique never means better than. Like, I wasn't sitting there going, oh, my gosh, we're so much better than they are. Right? No, I was sitting there going, oh, look what they're doing. But praise God, look at what he's doing in us. And look at what he is doing through us. Look at how he has designed us and the unique role, the unique role that we play in the kingdom. And I would say this, even more importantly, more specifically, the unique role that we play in our own community. The unique role that we play in our community. The idea that we are unique. And I'm going to say, what makes Vintage unique in comparison to these guys I was talking with? And this is what I, this is the language I use. This is not perfect language, so give me grace, right? I'm literally just processing. I just thought I'd share it with you, all the things that I'm thinking through and processing the last couple of weeks. But the, what I've put, Des, is Vintage is a movement, people. We are a movement, people. And what I mean by that, I'm going to read what I wrote because it makes more sense and try to remember. It says, we live with the, this is not on the screen, I apologize. It was just kind of spur of the moment. But we live with the conviction, we live as a people with the conviction that God is always moving. He's always active. He's always on mission. And God is always wanting to break through, sorry, in people's, he's always wanting to break through in people's lives. That God is always looking to revive the church and he is looking to empower his people, us, to bring his kingdom on earth while doing it in his power, right? This is just kind of who we are. And you're thinking, of course we think that way. But it's important to recognize that it's not unique to us if we're the only church, but it is unique to us and people who think like us. That's not a natural part of what church looks like. This conviction of you in church, again, is not unique, but, it, but it's not common. I share this because I believe vintage is, again, unique in our community, not better than, but unique in what we believe, what we are pursuing, and what we are hoping for in the church. We are believing for and going after the power of God for a movement of his spirit that brings salvation, that brings healing in all of its forms. We're believing for a movement of God's spirit that brings revival, as in he is taking a church, right, that speaks to the word that Jesse gave this morning, that God gave through him, that we are to be a people who are actually being used by God for the purposes of his kingdom. He wants to revive us. 
He wants to awaken us. This is what Sidney was singing about and talking about. He wants to awaken us, draw us near to his presence, engage us, invest into us, call us out and move. He wants to bring spiritual then renewal in the church. And he wants to bring life to those who are dead. We believe in this. And here's the thing about being a movement church. That will mean some people won't feel comfortable here. They just won't feel comfortable. And you know what I mean. There are people who like to go to church because they get to receive something because they're struggling. And that's, we believe in that too. But they just go to get, they just go so they can get something. So they can receive something. They go to consume so that they can feel better. So they can go and someone can invest spiritually into their kids because they don't feel quite capable of doing it themselves, right? They want to go and just be a part of something that gives what they want and then they can leave in a disconnected way because they just want to sit here and, and receive. And here's the deal. That's okay. It's not my job to judge. It's not your job to judge. I'm not sitting here saying, someone says, oh, I just, this, is, this church makes me a little bit uncomfortable because the things that you're talking about, the things that you're going after, like, okay, there are other places that you can connect, but just make sure you're pursuing Jesus, right? But we are a movement people, unashamedly. We're going to be about mission. We're going to look, we're going to look for hurting people. We're going to go after the broken. We're going to pray for people. We're going to believe God heals the sick. We're going to believe that God still moves in the gifts of his Holy Spirit. But you saw this morning, we're going after the prophetic. That's super scary for some people, but look how we did it. Jesse gave his word to our elder Mark. Can I say elder? I mean, he's just a man of God. Just give me grace to say this, Mark, right? Like Mark and Kathy are people that I trust. They are not elderly, but they are elders, right? God has anointed him, called him. He is someone that I look up to. And so I trust him. So I, we talked on the phone. He was, a little bit, he was like, honestly, a little bit nervous. Why? Because he's a human being who has to be the one who's like discerning, is this from the voice of the Lord? And I was like, Steve, how do I handle this? I'm a little bit nervous about that. I'm like, I'm so thankful that you're humble enough to not have concern about that. So he commits that word. And so he talks to Jesse. They talked about it. So Jesse came this morning, completely submitted, honoring Mark, honoring Randall and on the leadership was beautiful wasn't it like in order but watching god speak look how god confirmed that the little thing on the front end sydney sang it jesse spoke it and i'm getting up talking about it do you think god's doing something right there it goes yo 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 there it goes watch it let's see watch watch it it's gonna go all the way down guys it's gonna happen it happened yeah praise god all right you can leave it there so it's no big deal i don't care oh man thank you so here's the point we just want to be a movement people i'm inviting you to be a movement people i'm inviting you to be one who is who rests in the Lord, and who we're going to talk about this morning, who knows Jesus, but who are also being a people of his movement, longing for his movement, longing for his works. For us, our call is, our call is to be simply to be faithful to Jesus, who God has called us to be, and to do our part in believing in and pursuing the power of God in our midst. The word is to be faithful. That's the call of God. The call of, listen, the call of the church is never to grow. The call of the church is to be faithful. And God can bring about growth, but our call is to be faithful to him, to be obedient to him, and to love him, 
So let's be faithful to who God's called us to be. We do our part as in grabbing hold of, believing in, and pursuing God. As we faithfully pursue God and humbly share our conviction of God's power, I believe God will move and shape his body holistically, Big C Church, as we do our part. Now, for the movement to happen, we recognize, listen, it is not us who make it happen. We partner with, we engage with, but ultimately Jesus is the one who makes it all happen. It is Jesus. We live with the hope that God, we live the hope, just the confidence that God loves his creation He loves his church and that he is moving today to bring his kingdom on earth. Last week, I encourage this in the message, Mark built a foundation for us of hope, right? He said our hope is found in the coming of God's spirit at Pentecost as God's spirit now resides with us and in us. Remember, he talked about that peace that we represent the season of our the last days and the coming of the Holy Spirit as the, listen, the first, as God kind of giving us, a, what's the word, like he's coming, he gives us his Holy Spirit as a promise that he will then return, right? But the spirit has come and fills us with hope that he will return, but it fills us with hope that he's with us us today and that he's moving in us moving through us because we're a movement people who now have the power of god have power of jesus in us right to partner with him that's what our hopes we come today as a people of hope hope that jesus is with us and his spirit's empowering us so here's the deal i don't know how you feel But if your feeling is telling you that you're not empowered and that you're incapable, then that's not true. Because you have the hope, because God's Spirit, if you know Jesus, God's Spirit is in you and empowering you because he resides with you. We always have hope. That's the hope of the Pentecost, the coming of God's Spirit for those who know Jesus. And over the upcoming weeks, right, the Spirit of God we talk that resides with us. We talk about Him fellowshipping with us, comforting us, and empowering us, right? In these weeks, we're going to be kind of talking about the work of God's Spirit in us, specifically focusing on the ability to communicate with God, learning how to hear His voice for ourselves, and in time, learning how to hear God's voice for others. This morning, I'm going to start in kind of a unique place, something that most people probably would never start with as it relates to hearing God's voice, because this is something that was was really important for me in my own journey of relating to God and hearing God. It's a simple verse that I love that sparks thoughts in me about my relationship, and I hope your relationship with Jesus. You can look on the screen. It's 1 John chapter 1, verse 3. So it's one of those like throwaway verses when you start the Bible, like you're trying to get into a book. It's one of the very first three verses. So like it's important, but you know what I mean, throwaway. It's like it's just trying to get me somewhere else, the meat of our time, right? But it says this, John speaking, says we, speaking about people he's in relationship, whether he's talking about he and the apostle, other apostles, he and just the community he's involved with. I'm not real sure, but he says, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. So past tense, right? So that you may also have fellowship with us. He's biting them into relationship with he and his group. And he goes on, but our fellowship, our fellowship, present tense and future tense, our fellowship is with the Father, and our fellowship is with his Son, Jesus Christ. 
Here, John is speaking to a group of believers who were struggling. Just kind of a backdrop. He has these believers. They are believers, but they're really wrestling through their theology of exactly how human was Jesus because they had a hard time with Jesus' humanity. They could only see him as spirit, right? So they're in this moment of wrestling. They're in this moment of questioning. They're in this moment of having tension. Have you ever had tension with God? Have you ever had tension around theology? And so John is coming to them saying, hey, I recognize the tension that you're having around exactly the how human and how divine was God in that tension. He says, so in that tension, my answer for you is this really, really simple. Why don't you come have intimate and personal relationship with us? That's what I can invite you to. I'm not going to try to theologize and Bible teach you and point you and walk you through it. First, I just want to invite you into relationship with us, right? I want to invite you into the fellowship. That's what that word fellowship is, the word koinonia we talk about from Acts 2.42 and 2.44, right? It's this beautiful picture of being in an intimate, personal, deep relationship with someone. So he's inviting them into fellowship with with them. It's a beautiful invitation, right? Because we've heard from the Lord historically. You know what we've talked about, right? But then he comes and says something interesting. He says, but I want you to recognize that we are together working, but we have a current ongoing fellowship that we want to invite you to be a part of with us. Our our fellowship ongoing today is that we are hearing and still seeing God today, and we want you to invite you to be part of that with us. That's what it's talking about, right? We proclaim to you what we've seen and heard, so come be a part of our fellowship and hear that. But we still have the fellowship, and the idea is because we're still hearing and seeing from the Father and His Son, Jesus. And I would simply add, through the person of the Holy Spirit, now empowering them in relationship with God, the Father and His Son, Jesus. I love this picture because when I first, I'll never forget, you know how you read scripture and all of a sudden you read a scripture you've read a hundred times, but this is the day God wants to enlighten it to you. I don't remember how old I was. I was probably somewhere in my 20s, maybe my 30s. I don't know about you, my years run together sometimes, right? But in this, I see this invitation and he's inviting them to this, into this fellowship, right? And he's speaking about this nature of father and son. And I remember reading this years ago and stopping to ponder the idea. I wonder what John specifically had in mind when he invited them to fellowship with the father and son. Like, what did that mean for John? Right? This is one of those ponderings because it's not clear. It doesn't necessarily tell us deeply. But he goes through. I think it has something to do with the nature of God's love because First John is like a, a, love, a love book, right? Talking about the love of God being poured out and being awakened to the love of God. And we know that John himself, when he was claiming himself in the Gospel of John, says, John, who, the disciple whom Jesus loved, there was something, some type of awakening in his fellowship of hearing and seeing God. And then what he invited his disciples to and his followers probably to enjoy something around this depth of knowledge, of intimacy and fellowship and love with Jesus that was profound, right? We don't know for sure, but probably this. And he wants to invite them into it. And I just wonder in that moment, like, how, these are questions, like, I literally, y'all, if you've never done this, I encourage you to start doing it. Just sit back sometime and start pondering what they talk about in the Bible, 
like just start with like your sanctified Jesus led imagination, right? Just go, what was what did John mean? Like, what did his fellowship look like? What are the possibilities, right? We'll look at it. It's going to be based upon the character of God. It's going to be within the bounds of Scripture, right? But it's like, what was happening? What did that fellowship look like? I mean, I thought to myself, how rich was it? How deep was it? How personal was the hearing and the seeing that John had with the Father and the Son? How rich and deep were their experiences together, right? How intimate was it? How overwhelmingly challenging was it? But here's the other part. How fun was it? How fun was the fellowship, right? How fun was it? Listen, Y'all know those who know me well and know my relationship with Scott. I mean, Terry, right before we get ready to move, Terry was praying for Scott and I, and she just, he just she said, I just see a picture of, like, two kind of, like, muddy-looking kids who have just gotten done playing with their hair all disheveled. He said, those are my boys, right? Scott and I talk about that all the time. We're just his boys. We got together, and we were like brothers. Everything we did in Wyoming, we just competed, But we're, like, mature enough to compete and celebrate when we lose. It's been a big, big move of Jesus in my life. But, man, we just sat there and hung out. We fly fished together. I'm like, how many did you catch? And I would always make him go first. She would say five. Like, I caught six, man. (laughs) Whatever, dude, right? No, no, it was super fun. We went on a 45-minute hike one day through literally bear-infested woods and mountain lions are present. We're carrying our we're carrying our bear spray praying we see a bear, right? We're just like, want to see one, man. We get to a hole. Scott catches two. He's looking at me. I'm like, ah, right? And then we would go back and we would talk about the inner workings of our hearts. We would talk about the depth of Jesus. We would cry together. We would pray for one another. And then we'd go play shuffleboard and we would compete beyond nobody's imagination. I won. (laughs) This is the fellowship, guys. That's why I'm asking the question. I know what fellowship looks like with people that I love. It's the invitation. What did it look like for John? What was he inviting those who were struggling into? I don't know about you. When someone asked me to come to a prayer meeting by nature, I have like flashbacks to boring, right? But man, what if we invited people to an intimacy, a fellowship of seeing and hearing because he's just in fellowship and he enjoys us and he's fun, he's engaging, it's life-giving, it's super intense, it's super challenging and life-giving all at the same time. So I begin to think about this and the relationship with Jesus and wondering or thinking to myself, God, there is just so much more to this. That's why I want to be a people of movement. Like I will say, I'll just say this. When I was at this Presbyterian camp the last night, I said, guys, I want to take you on a path that's been very scary for a lot of the church because this path has been used This has been misused and abused in the church, but it's biblical. It's the path of the power of the Holy Spirit, and I want to take you on it. And I literally just opened up the Bible for my Presbyterian friends, middle schoolers and high schoolers and some college students and some leaders. And I just literally, like I brought kids up and had them read scriptures from the book of Acts, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, and chapter 6. And they read it, and I just kind of did like a little quick debrief and told a couple stories, right? I get done, and my boy Colby, 
He's kind of like the fill-in youth pastor for about eight months. He walks up, good, I mean, such a good dude. I mean, I just, I walked away, I said to him, man, you carry something, man. I said, just, I'm praying for you. And I just felt like God was telling you there's just a word of acceleration he's going to do in this year because the last year has been so horrible for you. And he just said, man, I appreciate that, right? But he walked up to me and he just said, man, thank you. Thank you for speaking on the power of God. He said, he looked at me and said, us Presbyterians, we need to hear that message a lot more. And I just said, man, we all do, <laughs> right? We all do. Just sitting here in the moment, recognizing this, even this moment of recognizing, God, inviting them into this fellowship that I've had, the things that I've seen and the things that I've heard to produce life, not to one up, not to say we're better than, but just to say there's an invitation, brother. They received it. Kid stood up. I don't know who it was. Some kid stood up and he said, I don't know. I heard message last night, y'all. And I don't know about you, but I want to step up. And I just feel called to do ministry in my high school under the power of God's spirit, right? I was like, yes, he was the only one. But it was enough, right? It was enough. This morning, we are a unique. We are unique as a body. Not better than, but we are unique. How we relate to and fellowship with one another, I believe it's unique to us, and I celebrate it. But I also believe we are unique in how we believe and how we, how we believe we can relate to God and how we actually relate to God the Father. We have a beautiful hope. Our hope, again, is found in the coming of God's Spirit who came and descended upon the disciples, and they changed. That's the hope that we have. We have hope to be empowered. We have hope for intimacy. Why? Because he deposited his spirit and saying, because I'm giving you my spirit, it's the promise that I'm returning to take you home, and I will be with you now. I will send the spirit to advocate for you, to remind you of everything that Jesus said, to convict you of your sin and of righteousness, and to empower you to be Jesus every single day of your life. We have a hope. It's beautiful, right? We cultivate that in fellowship with him. I don't, I'm not saying we are unique and the only, but it's unique maybe in our community with something that we carry in this. It's beautiful. We have this beautiful hope found in the coming of God's spirit. The doors and the door is open for us. We already said to have a deep fellowship with Jesus through the Holy Spirit in our lives. A relationship where there is always, listen, He's invited. Listen, this is super important. I get super sad for people who don't believe this. We live with the conviction that there is always more of Jesus that we can know. Have you ever been on a hike that has like 45 different beautiful things? And you come on the corner and go, oh, my gosh, how could it get any better than that waterfall? And then you go about another half mile and you get there and then there's a bigger waterfall, right, that has a rainbow on it and the sun's hitting it. And you're like, oh, my gosh, how can you get any better than this? And you come around the corner to a bigger waterfall with two rainbows and three birds at this one, right, who are like dipping down and getting fish out of the water with like three suns. I'm just kidding. Shining, you know, that, that feels like that. You know what I'm getting at? Like, you go, how can it get any better? And you know, this, I keep on going and going and going. My Imagination's big, right? It's like, that's what it is with Jesus. I get to know him, but the more I taste of him, the more thirsty I become for more. And people don't live with that, do they? They think, I have all of Jesus I'm ever going to get. And that's sad to me. 
Because that means we've limited in our mind who God is. He's more. And he says, drink of me. Present tense, drink of me today. I am manna for every day. I fill every day. I am the everyday God who's expressing myself, who's showing you more and greater things. It's just who I'm. The scripture says going from glory unto glory. I don't even know what that means, but I want it. I'm just going to say it's like better around the corner, better around the corner, better around the corner. He's inexhaustible, right? We, we want to believe. Some people say, Steve, I believe, but help my unbelief. Because this is where you are in life. Grace. I want to invite you to the fellowship that I have with the Father and the Son where we're all imperfect when we come and struggling with our own weaknesses. I just want to invite you to come. That's the invitation. John's not saying, we've got it all together. We're the best church. We're the best people. We're the, I'm the best apostle. Could you imagine if he said, guys, I'm the best disciple out of all of them. I mean, Judas Iscariot, boom, number 12. And I'm number one, right? As our starting point this morning, <clears throat> for deeper fellowship, I want to go super simple, like super basic. I want to go like kindergarten level of faith because everyone knows everything we need to know about life we learned in kindergarten. That's where I'm starting this morning. Because I'm looking at it going so often, especially for us who believe that God's called us to the deep end, we get past the things that are most important, which are foundational because they're too simple, because we're too arrogant to humble ourselves and recognize there's just a shallow end foundation that we always start from. We always remember it's the foundation, and it's not shallow at all. Everything with God is deep, or at least deeper than us. It's this. I want to implore you to give yourself to reading and engaging deeper in Scripture around the depth of relationship possible for you with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. I'm just asking you to read your Bible. And when you read it, don't read it for knowledge. Read it for fellowship. Read it for the purpose of of letting it speak to you. Read it for the purpose of God being revealed. Sit down and say, Jesus, as I open up my Bible today, you know I'm a terrible reader. So as I open it today, God, you know I can't read more than like one paragraph at a time because my mind wanders. So in this one paragraph, Jesus, I am asking that you reveal yourself in such a way that I'm changed. Amen. And begin to read. And then read the paragraph again. And then read the paragraph again. And then read the paragraph again. If you're a whole book reader, fantastic. Then ask God to awaken the whole book to you. I don't make judgment on how much scripture somebody reads. I just want you reading it. God doesn't care how much you read. He's not going, oh, man, the real Christians in the deep end, man, they read like a whole chapter a day, brother. I'm just saying, man. Who made that up? Read that, find that in Scripture. All right. So I implore you to give yourself to Scripture for the purpose of allowing Jesus, right, 
to reveal who he is, the depth of relationship possible. So he's talking about knowing Jesus, hearing his voice. Again, Scripture is the place that we, we turn to to understand the person of Jesus, to understand the boundaries of our relationship with him, and to understand his character and the primary place we will always hear his voice. Moving forward, listen, if we are going to know Jesus, then we must know Scripture. It's always the starting point, and it's always the end point for learning how to hear God's voice. So, for example, when Jesse went to Mark and shared his word, if Mark had said that's outside the boundaries of Scripture, guess what? Jesse would not have been standing here this morning. It's the boundary line. We're going to talk about that in a second. I'm getting ahead of myself. Number one, Scripture communicates truth. That's why we read it. Scripture communicates truth. How many of you know the only way to conquer a lie is by speaking truth? It's as simple as that. Scripture speaks truth. You are being fed lies day after day after day after day after day. And the place that we begin to break off those lies, I don't care what they are, whether about yourself, whether about our nation, whether about the church, is you start with and you end with Scripture. Scripture speaks truth. You know the verse, Second Timothy, all Scripture is God-breathed, useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, right? We live in a world, I understand, that does not accept the validity of Scripture. They see it merely as a book from history. It's the greatest bestseller literally ever in the history of the world. However, as followers of Jesus, we believe the Bible is God's word, spoken directly to those whom he loves. We don't understand everything that it says. We don't understand why God, God does all the things that he does in it. But we know it's true, and we know in it God reveals to us who he really is. Do you want to know who God is? What makes him tick? We start with Scripture. Do you want to know how to counter anxious thoughts and lies from the enemy? You read truth and Scripture and apply it, right? Years ago, listen, listen, read the Word of God and allow its words to get in you. I'll never forget years ago, struggling, struggling with fear. I don't even know what it was about. It was a fear in general, fear of failure, fear of whatever it may have been, right? And I read different scriptures. I'm not even, even going to quote. I'm not even like going to read. I'm not going to. I'm sorry. I don't have the, where they are. But one was just like perfect love casts out all fear. And I went. Scripture tells me that God is love. He's perfect in his love. He resides in me. Fear does not have a place then because he's filled my entire heart. So fear is not God's will for me. So truth tells me that fear can't stay. There is no fear in love, Scripture says. And he's perfect in his love for me. He loves me as a perfect father. It's huge. It's big. Fear can't stay or this idea will never leave you. Scripture says in Hebrews, I will never leave you, nor will I turn my back on you or forsake you. So I'm actually never alone. So if he's always with me, then why should I? Oh, I don't have to fear God. Okay, I now know truth. Would you cause your truth to conquer the lies so I can then walk in fearlessness? Amen. Do you see how you take Scripture, you learn it, you engage the, who God is and what is true, and you say, God, I can't apply it myself. I can't make it happen. I believe it, God. What would you cause it to come alive inside of me? Amen. And by grace, his work, his power, he then fills the sails of your heart, and fear is over time, over time is conquered. You want to practice it this morning? Here's the deal. Everybody close your eyes, put your hands down, stop touching people next to you, get off your phones. Here we go. I'm going to read a very familiar scripture today. 
Everybody take a deep breath. Exhale. And focus. Breathe in again. Exhale. And then give yourself to Jesus. We're going to read a very familiar psalm. This first few verses is Psalm 139. As I read, I want you to engage the fact that it's Jesus speaking directly to you. And what he's speaking is truth about his nearness. It's a common theme this morning. It's beautiful. I have it down. It's like God had a plan. The truth about his nearness. You feel far away, and God is going to speak the truth about nearness. He says, speaking, David says, where can I actually go from your spirit? And where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, where it makes a lot of sense for you to be there, you are there. But if I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I then settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely darkness will hide me, surely the light will become night around me, even, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day. For darkness, God, is as light to you. Therefore, darkness is as light to me. In Jesus' name, amen. He speaks the truth of his nearness. The lies that either you tell yourself, the lies that history has taught you, maybe even the lies of bad theology have taught you that you can go somewhere God isn't and be far from him. And Jesus is basically saying, I don't care where you are in sin, I am right there with you, telling you I love you, I'm wooing you to me, I'm speaking peace, if you'll receive it, and I'm here. Where did you go, Jesus? Nowhere. I've been with you the entire time. I don't know about you, but I want to give myself to Scripture so that truth can dispel lie. Because there are a lot that I wrestle with. Number two, Scripture reveals the character of God. When listening to God's voice, when listening to God's voice, it's important to know who God is, how he relates to his children. Knowing his character will help us discern if it's God speaking or not. A.K. and I were talking this week via FaceTime. And I forget the question being a lot more if I can remember. But it was something about a story that she'd been told while in Spain about uh, God and the church. And she said, I remember she said, do you think God would do that? And my answer was immediately no, because it was against his character, because Scripture had taught me the character of God. She's like, how do you know? I said, because it's against the character of God to do what you're saying specifically. She's like, and she goes, oh, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> right? It's as simple as that. You want to start understanding the character of God when you read Scripture, but start with the I am statements of Jesus. 
Start with the I am statements. It just speaks volumes about his character. I am the good shepherd. What do you know about shepherds? Care for, fight for, and tend for their sheep, right? He says, I am the light of the world. So whenever he comes into your life, he only, he's a, his character always brings light, never brings darkness. God, listen, God is ultimately patient. He's long-suffering, Scripture tells us, right? Which means when he comes into you and you hear an impatient voice, it's not Jesus. And I will tell you, I'm around people all the time who only hear the impatient voice of Jesus, and it's because they had an impatient parent, and they have confused the voices. What's the character of God? Scripture tells you, go learn it. So when you're listening for the voice of God, and you think you hear something, you know one of your tasks, quote-unquote, is it true to the character of God? Jesus is never in a hurry. It's not like, get to do it right now or else. It's like, this is not who he is. Talk more about that week's coming up. Number seven, spot three, scripture's our boundary. And then I'm, really, then I'm done. Go ahead, here we're leading worship and come back up. Scripture's our boundary. It's super simple. I was at a prophetic conference one time. The, 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 the leader was saying, hey, prophetic people are weird. All right? And prophetic, and he, was a, he was a prophetic guy. I think it was like a Mike Bickle maybe, or it may have been like a Dutch Sheets or Cindy Jacobs back in the day. So it was one of those voices, those who know those voices, right? And he was just saying, prophetic people are weird, right? And went into it talking about it. He said, he said, in this prophetic conference, this, this man and woman come up. I actually think they're married by the way that they're talking. Like, oh, my gosh, we got here. And I realized they weren't because they said, hey, my gosh, God brought us together. He was speaking the same things to us. It's just so profound and powerful. And da 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 and God's doing this. And he said, I could just really sense there's just something happening here. And all of a sudden he says, yeah, and we just feel so connected. We know that God is calling us to divorce one another and get married to one another so we can just minister together in the power of the kingdom. He goes, no, <laughs> right, because it's super blatant. But it's the boundary. Scripture is the boundary. If you hear something in, when you're praying and asking God to speak and you hear something outside of the bounds of Scripture, it's not Jesus. It's the boundary. Okay? So it's as simple as that. So let's go into ministry time. Ministry teams can come forward. Jesus, we are thankful that you've called us to be a part of this body. We're thankful, Jesus, that you, you've made us unique, not better than but we are special everyone's special to you god you made us god you love us thankful to be part of your kingdom the role that we play as a movement people empowered by your spirit believing you for greater things moving forward always believing there's just more of you that we can know and we are hungry for it and god we will be part of your fellowship part of the fellowship together with you and the father and the son through the power and the work of your spirit to speak to us to lead us to guide us we're thankful for you, Holy Spirit. The way that you empower us, the hope that you give us every day. Lord, I pray for those today who don't have hope. I just break off. I speak a death to that lie in Jesus' name. We have the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you are our hope. So we're thankful. And so, Jesus, would you come and do what you do? Which is anything you want to. Pray this in your name ministry teams will be available on both sides. We want to pray for anything going on in your life, whether you're praying for breakthrough, praying for healing, whether you're praying, just pray. Like, love to invite you to the fellowship of prayer where we come and say, hey, I'm struggling with whatever it may be. I'm struggling with fear. I'm struggling with anxiety. I'm struggling with doubt. 
I'm struggling with whatever it may be, and I know the truth, the scripture says this, but it's not what I'm experiencing. Then we want to pray for you that the truth would break off the lie in you. And then you can move into what he has for you. I don't know about you, that sounds amazing. Right? Communion is available every single week. This is our weekly reminder as a gathering people of the sacrifice of Jesus that made all the things possible that we're talking about. Because his body was broken and because his gospel, because the body was broken, the blood was poured out. The good news is today we can have intimacy and fellowship with Jesus because of his work on the cross and we celebrate it we remind ourselves of it and then we take communion and experience it grace poured out as you come